0: To Lifting Leaders podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Tricia Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them.
1: Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now.
0: Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? Hey, Crystal, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. It's like
1: 75. Yeah, it's lovely outside
0: for those of you who have been listening to us you know that we've been waiting for this day to come for so long oh my gosh
1: <laughs> the hail I think is is for sure behind us I hope so yeah. yeah.
0: And the mountain was out. Did you see the sunset last night? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. I actually had to go out this morning, and it was the first time I think I can remember going out, and the whole sky was blue. Not just, there weren't clouds around or anything. It was just completely blue sky. So beautiful. Yeah. So speaking of light
1: and joy, Mm. we have a very wonderful guest that is with us today, and her name is Melanie Vargas, and if you know Trisha and I, you you know how special Melanie is to Very us. Very special. <laughs> Very special. And we uh, first got to know Melanie. I first got to know Melanie through our coaching, the, the Hudson program, our coaching program back in 2018, and we graduated in 2019, but we got to know each other through that. And, and it's been Fast Friends, we're colleagues ever since, so it's been, it's been wonderful. And we're going to be talking with Melanie about mental health. May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and this is an important, really important topic, not just because of the national focus on it mm-hmm. for this month, but also it's something we need to be really focused on and thinking about all year.
0: Right, and there have been so many things going on over the last few years that it just seems to be mounting, you know. And so I think now we really do need some some emphasis on this more than ever. Yeah. Um, always we need that emphasis, but you know, if you need an official month, let's get started. Yeah, yeah. And as we think about you know
1: making a better world, building a better world, this is just one of those foundational pieces. We've got to we've got to figure out a way to. To tackled this really big challenge. And we're gonna talk more about what that challenge is. But um, Melanie is the founder and CEO of Radical Ignition, an executive and group coaching firm dedicated to helping organizations, leaders, and teams explore possibilities and create actionable steps for change. In her 25 year career, Melanie developed a passion for unleashing human potential and creating pathways for people to be their best. She has worked across many organizations in her consulting career, which gives her a great perspective as a facilitator, leadership coach, and consultant. She has worked with leaders from founders and the C-suite all the way to emerging leaders. Melanie focuses on thought partnership, transformation, and creating a path forward with her clients. She is coaching leaders all over the world in Fortune 500 to startup organizations. Melanie's core values are courage, compassion, and connection. And she believes that living her values allows her to show up in all areas of her life in the most authentic way possible. And I would just emphasize that authenticity. That is one of the things that I think is Melanie is your is your superpower, is your authenticity to show up in a way that is, you know, resonant for you and and it really shines through. In her personal time, Melanie enjoys spending time with her husband and three children. So <laughs> welcome, Melanie's so glad that you can be here with us to have this really important conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So as we start with all of our guests, tell us your story.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to mix it up just a little um, because I I think we're we're touching on a topic today that is near and dear to my heart. I think, you know, career-wise, I've you know, I, I feel like I've been fighting to get where I am today in my career. You know, I I break it down in a third, a third, and a third. The the first third was me kind of climbing the ladder. The next third was me kind of working across lots of different companies in my consulting career to kind of just learn everything I could. And then the last third was me sort of figuring out what my inspired future is. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was getting me prepared for where I am now, which is living my true purpose. And mm-hmm. um, and I truly feel that I am. I feel like I'm doing my life's work. It's just like the best feeling in the world. And in many ways, it's it's related to what we're gonna be talking about today. Um, because I feel like I'm helping leaders be their, their best selves and we're coaching the whole person. Um, and what's happening in the world is, is creating a tremendous amount of stress for people today in today's world. Um, and, and I have a history myself personally, and also people, people in my life that have had pretty severe mental health issues. So I, I have a lot of experience in that department, both with family origin and also with my daughter who I've been through a pretty um you know pretty significant journey with mental health and so it's it's something I really care about very deeply and you know she's she's a Gen Z so um so we're going to see you know we we're working with Gen Zs but we see this kind of generate the generational impact of mental health so you know I know we'll, we'll probably be touching on that too today
1: yeah you know we were just talking before this that this is a really important issue and it was important before the pandemic
0: mm-hmm.
1: we saw the growing numbers of people who are struggling with yeah. with their mental wellness and the pandemic just you know put it into overdrive mm-hmm. and i know you know you and i have been speaking with clients and t- doing some teaching around this but the generation the, the people that are just coming into the workforce, we just have to be open to this in a whole different way because they're really experiencing it at a totally different level
0: than any other generation. It almost has to be, I mean, it, when I think about this, I think about um, culture within, a, within an organization and how, you know, you have core cultures where the values are front of mind, but not often do you see a part of the culture being... Um, putting, putting care of people's mental well-being in the forefront. And it was there during the pandemic. I think people learned really quickly that they had to address things like that, but, but it's not necessarily a part of the culture. And if it were, I think that we would see more people coming in who would get help, support they need, rather than having to wait till they get to a point or they can't take another moment and then somebody kicks in with help. And that that to me is um, it's an important distinction. I think it would for me, I would rather see us start looking at how do we build this into just the the normal culture you know, in right. an organization. The, the pro- proactive
1: or mm-hmm. just how we how we deal with people every day. Yeah. yeah. We were really leaders were getting more comfortable, I think, mm-hmm. with talking about it during the pandemic and now at least my experience has been working with clients, I feel like there's this real almost backlash or push to return to what they would consider normal, which is leave your stuff at the door and we wanna see you come to work like a robot without a lot of feeling and a lot of other things going on for you. Just sit down and put your head down and work.
2: It's this idea of, okay, we're done with that now.
1: Yeah. Yes. So
2: Mentalize, And there's a, there's a, a big focus on being productive and just doing more. Yeah. Do more, schedule more, pack more in your schedule. Um, and let's just, it, we're very, very focused on the bottom line. And um, this is creating, um, you know, it's just, there's lots of, there's lots of studies on this of, of the environment that we're creating for people and, the impact on certain populations where um, the the greatest risk is, is landing mostly on women and then those younger, you know, the people under thirties. So the Gen Z's and um, you know, those, those, those younger millennials are the ones that are getting hit the hardest with their mental health.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Melanie, why should leaders care about stress and burnout?
2: Yeah. Well, one is what I just mentioned mm-hmm. that we're seeing, you know, those younger, populations and then, you know, women that are are the, at the greatest risk. And, um, you know, I think also it is three and, um, three in 10 employees reported. This is a Gallup study that they were feeling either very burned out very often or always at work. And, you know, that's a significant amount of people feeling pretty, pretty burned out. And, um, when we're feeling that way, we're less engaged. We're not happy. Um, you know, it's this idea of like, we hear about the quiet quiet quitting and this is the stuff that's at the root of it. Right. And right. much what you were saying, Tricia, is that if our leaders are not skilled at, or don't have the tools mm-hmm. to be able to talk about mental health, which is, at the root of that is talking about feelings, how people are feeling, um, then this is what's happening with quiet quitting because then I don't feel like my my manager cares about me if they're not noticing or they don't care that this is how I'm feeling. Um, and so I just don't think that they have the right skills. And I also think there's still a tremendous, it's, it's still too much of a stigma. And so that's yeah. where we really need to start you know, breaking down those walls and helping, or, you know, when, when you talk about having it be cultural, we still don't have the skills to be able to,
0: to do that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, you know, as we're talking about this, we've, my question was, you know, why should leaders care? But, if we're not taking care of ourselves if leaders aren't looking in the mirror and taking care of their own issues that they've Mm. got it's going to be almost impossible for them to reach out and be effective with anyone else and so you know to me that mental well-being goes all the way to the top of the food chain if you will you know and it's it's so important right now i think for everybody to start doing a little self-analysis or self-evaluation and say you know what i need to talk to someone and it's not always eap right eap is a good first start but it's it's a good first start. I mean yeah. a good first step, if you will.
2: The other thing I'll just mention too on this kind of why is, you know, we're we're all working in this hybrid environment. That's not going away, right? Mm-hmm. Um it, it's actually continuing on. And so we all need to learn to manage in this environment and and to to manage successfully in this environment. And so the studies are showing that that's where we're experiencing the highest level of of burnout is this high, the hybrid workers. And those numbers are actually rising. So there's going to be more, right? So we're trying to get people back to work in the office. And, and oftentimes they're resisting that because we want to yeah. be hybrid, but yet this is where the most stress comes from this hybrid, trying to learn to work and live in the same place. And we end up working more mm-hmm. and we don't, breaks, we pack it in, um, and home and life together gets interwoven. Um, I know myself, I've been guilty of this, where I, I I actually have to manually put breaks in my day. Otherwise, I just sit here all day and work, you know, one day after the, one minute after the other, I pack meeting after meeting after meeting. And, you know, I myself can find myself feeling pretty stressed and burned out if I don't really put that oxygen mask on and learn how to take care of myself,
1: you yeah. know. It's so important. And, you know, one of the things that they, they show that contributes to this burnout is having too much work. Yeah. And I know for myself, I keep thinking if I, if I sit here long enough and I work hard enough, I'll get to the end of my to-do list. Yeah. And it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really hard thing for people to let go of. And I know the clients that I work with, experience the same thing. It's, if I just can work a little harder, work a little longer, um, it's that fallacy that if I can just get to the end of this, if I can just get through this week, if I can just get through this project, then I can take a break. Then I can take care of myself. And the problem is we never get there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's actually evidence that it, it's actually a, a, a productivity killer.
1: Yeah,
2: that. we're yeah. actually more productive when we allow ourselves. You know, we put that oxygen mask on. We yeah. take breaks. We take a walk at lunch. We, you know, take a lunch break, walk away from our computer, get away. Our brains are more effective yes. when we relax them. Um, so you know, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, and we've seen you know particularly in that those groups like those you know high risk groups the younger groups and women in particular, um, that's where they're hit the most because they're packing it in, pack it in, pack it in. And those younger groups were, you know, they were raised in that kind of high achievement mindset. You know, they had the helicopter mm-hmm. parents <laughs> yeah. raised with that, you know, kind of high achievement mindset. So um, it, it works against them because it's actually not true. Yeah. And so how do yeah. we undo that? You know, that comes yeah. back to leadership. That gets back to cultural and leadership. We have to lead differently now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting when, with the two of you both talking about this, I was thinking what was going through my head a little bit was the fact that, you know, people that have for years come into their work thinking I only have to work this many years and then I can retire and so they they almost put their life on hold as their or they'll do what they need to do but minimally take care of themselves because they're going to do that when they retire well we we're in a much more instant world now right we live we move by terabytes you know and so things happen much quicker and we don't we don't even look that far anymore because nobody can count on it, right? So now they're counting on the day. How can I get through the day? How can I get to the end of the day? Yeah. Or how can I get through the end of this next two hours because I have four meetings set, you know? And it's, it is, it's the pressure of performing and being right and being good and making, you know, adding value um, in these little short spurts. That kill you, you know. I I know that I have a program on my computer that puts me out for focus time, at least one hour a day, so that I can I can have time to just regroup, because otherwise, six o'clock in the morning until I leave in the afternoon, I'm in a meeting. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're presenting to executives, the first question they're going to ask you is how can you How can we do it faster? Yes, right. faster um we're doing everything faster and that faster mindset is you know it's just that is to me another productivity killer it's like no we can't do it faster right. right the faster mindset is just an interesting one having been a person that's worked in technology companies so many technology companies doing it faster with speed this idea of doing everything with speed mm-hmm. Um, and are we, you know, are we really being effective when we're trying to do everything so quickly? It's, it's causing tremendous amount of stress and burnout and, you know, the, the, the burnout, there's so much evidence about what the impact that this has over time to our mental health. Right. So, yeah. you know, um, this is what leads to the clinical stuff. You know, that's when we start with getting the, um, You know the exhaustion that that energy depletion and that uh, exhaustion leads to clinical anxiety and depression um and you know it's this kind of it's happening over a period of time so we don't always start with something clinical but then over time it
1: leads to something clinical yeah and the physical also the physical ailments that come
0: as a result of that
1: well and you look
0: at the look at the the pharmaceutical industry. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, you see the commercials on television for just all of the for anxiety yeah. and all of these things. It's like, Hey, just ask your doctor for this. Just ask your doctor for that. And, you know, you, you don't, you stop listening to all of the counter and contraindications at the end where it says, you know, if you breathe, don't take this pill, <laughs> but they're just, it's the next quick fix. And so it's become a part of our world culture is that you can, if you're watching television or you're listening to a radio or you're, or you're even looking at a, a periodical of some type, you're going to find um, some kind of advertisement for anxiety medication or, you know, something that handle or takes care of your physical ailments as a result of anxiety. It's, um, it's kind of, I don't know, to me, a little bit frightening to think that that becomes the norm. Yeah. And we recognize that they're definitely,
1: those are, you know, literally life-saving for, for some, for some people. There are some people probably that could we could intervene to get rid of the burnout, treat people with
0: respect, which hopefully would then lead us not down that path. Yeah. I would never want to say, let's not have those medications. I think they're absolutely um, essential for a lot of people and for probably all of us at one point or another in our world. Right. But I'm, just the fact that everything is so readily available and that's where people will go if they're feeling stressed and stuff rather than dealing with it inside or, or having some kind of a, you know, inter not intervention, but some kind of a chat with somebody who might be able to help them see something differently. They're ready to get that quick fix. And, and the quick fix is good for some people, good for a lot of people. It's just not for everybody. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you, if you think about that, even we generally, as a society, we don't want to, we want the quick fix because mm-hmm. we've got that speed mentality. So speed mentality means um, at the end of the day, I'm feeling stressed. So I want to do something. I want to numb myself. Yes. I'm binge watch, you know, Netflix, or I'm going to, you know, I might have that extra glass of wine, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, eat a bunch of chocolate, or I'm going to do something that probably isn't the right thing to do because it's the quick fix. It's the easiest, quickest thing to do. And, you know, we're not doing what's right for our bodies. We're doing the quick fix, the easy fix. And, um, and, and truthfully, um, you know, it's, what are we doing proactively? You know, and I like, uh, the world health, organization redefined burnout and the way they define it is that it's resulting from chronic workplace stress that hasn't been successfully managed.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: If you <laughs> proactively manage and Crystal and I say you proactively and you reactively manage your stress. So it's what are you doing kind of to proactively but also in the moment managing your stress? Very true. And you're not going to have that chronic condition. And it's the chronic stuff that leads to either mental, clinical mental issues or physical, you know, you can have chronic, um, you know, pretty chronic health problems as a result of the stress, the, the increased cortisol levels in our bodies, which frankly, I think most of us have that already from the world that we're living in. And, you know, post pandemic, pandemic stress and, I think everyone in the world has a little bit of PTSD from this world of uncertainty and fear that we've all been living in and constant fear. Um, So, you know, we all have a pretty high level of cortisol floating around in our bodies.
0: And, you
2: know, if we take that with all the stress that we're dealing with, with work and environments, and if we're not happy in our jobs, um, it's just happening kind of chronically over and
1: over and over again. Yeah. I was just having this conversation actually with, with some friends about even now getting back to being in crowds is still stressful. Mm -hmm. So getting on an airplane, um, going to a concert, those sorts of things, just being with other people in larger, larger groups. Um, we've kind of learned during the pandemic to be okay, just in small, small groups or being alone. And it's relearning that a little bit. And helping us because we know one of the solutions one of the things that helps is positive relationships and building those networks of people we have to we're going to
0: have to get back to the business of doing that Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah i agree it's it's interesting that all of those things that went away with the pandemic you know like the fair and the farmers market and all those things that people went to they stopped for a long time now they're starting to open up again and encouraging people to show up there are those who never stopped they would have kept going right into a crowd but I am one of those people who doesn't feel great about going into a large crowd of people just because I don't know you know who I'm around I'm I'm the one who got COVID on my second day of my vacation last year you know because I was on a plane and all that so I know that it doesn't matter where I got it. It could have been in the bathroom. I have no yeah. idea. But the, the point was that there were a lot of people around me, and now I am a little more shy about that kind of thing. But you're right. We are getting back to a point where we have, or we should get back to a point where we're not so uncomfortable. You know, we've we've gotten past that point where I think if there are enough people vaccinated, that we should be hopefully at least better off. Yeah. 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 Not, not completely immune, but... Yeah, just contributing to what you were talking about, Melanie, there about
1: the increased cortisol and the mm-hmm. uncertainty, and it, we're yeah. still living in that, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say it, it, whether it's, um, you know, fear of crowds or, you know, fear of, you know, what's happening in the greater world, we're still in a world of uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're every time we hop onto LinkedIn, we see a whole nother group of people getting laid off. Yes. And, you know, it's in particular if you're in the tech industry, that's a fear for you right now, Yeah, uh, um, you know, getting laid off. And, um, you know, there's, there's tremendous amount of financial fear for people. And it creates a whole nother fear if you're in an industry where you feel stuck at a, at a job because you can't find another job. We talk about quiet quitting, you're quiet quitting, but then you're really stuck because you feel like, well, I'm not going to be able to leave because now yeah. I'm, really, I'm truly stuck. You know, so I think fear is a big driver for a lot of this um, and, the, you know, living in the constant world of uncertainty and the fact that we've been stuck in this, this world of uncertainty for so long.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point. And, you know, I've heard people say that this is cyclical, that, you know, it happened once before or twice before. And you know what? It hasn't. You know we didn't have the last three years before and we didn't see the quiet quitting that we've seen we've never seen that before that i know of in industry i've been in it for 100 years and i never saw it but you know and and so this is a new this is absolutely new yeah so your point about people living in fear to me i think people have lived in fear before in different situations you know when the economy tanks or whatever but the reality is this isn't just that this is a lot of things piling on top of things and so it's really important for us i think to you know get a handle on that and and say you know what is your stressor what is your what, what's bothering you you know and and if it's multiple things then let's talk about that let's unpack it a little bit right um,
1: yeah, you're right. I mean, we're dealing with the social justice issues. Yeah. We're dealing with um, climate change um, just every time you turn the news on. Right. Yeah, it's uh, right. a it's a negative thing. All so, the
2: geopolitical you know, stuff that's been going on. I mean, uh, and I agree. I think, Tricia, you really touched on something really, really important that all those younger people enter the workforce in the middle of the pandemic. You know, you talk about the Gen Z's and those younger millennials. You know what I've seen, having worked, in, you know, inside companies, different companies throughout this period of time, is we're still trying to lead the way we did before.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We can't do that. Yes, we have to. We, we're we have to show up to each other differently, and, and we have to reach a whole new understanding of each other and the way that we we're we're showing up to work with a different perspective, depending mm-hmm. on who you are. I mean, and even women, you know, we look at kind of the, uh, the cost of childcare right now. Some women may have to, may have to be work from home, you know, because they can't come into an office because they can't afford childcare.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: trying to look at each person's pers- perspective and their unique situation, which means I have to understand you personally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't get to just look at your work anymore. I have to invest in you as a person. You're a whole person. And, you know, 20 years ago, you you left your work at home. And you only, you know, your personal stuff was your personal stuff, and you, you know, you left your personal problems at home. And now there you can't lead like that anymore. You will you will not be successful as a leader in an organization if you do not understand your your people as individuals and all of their challenges. You know, we have to bring those into the workplace.
0: You know, I love that you said that. I really do, because it's something that we both believe in. Crystal and I both believe in, you know, completely. And what it tells me is that, and, and it's true, we are moving into a new world, but that we need to put more emphasis on those human skills, you know, on the things that people use to call them soft skills. And they're not, they're human skills, right? But including that, Um, areas of not just interpersonal relationships, but how do you carry on a deeper conversation that touches on things that get people to open up? That's so important, right? And so if that's the way the workforces are going, and it does look to me that way too. I mean, when when I read, everything I read, everything I see kind of touches on that. I'm wondering if that's where business needs to start looking is, you know, how do we show up as leaders and how do schools start putting a different emphasis on what they teach leadership in in leadership programs, right? I can remember what I learned at strategic leadership and all of that, but I don't remember anything touching on the mental well-being of the people around me, right? Yeah. Not at all. But that's gotta be in the curriculum now.
2: Yeah. I, I see it as emotional literacy.
0: Oh yeah. yes.
2: How do we it's feelings? I, what I see, because I've, I've worked with so many techies, tech, you know, engineers, um, you know, Crystal and I have worked in pet care with, you know, veterinarians. Um, and generally some people are really comfortable talking about feelings. I am a person that I naturally am open very comfortable and very vulnerable. Um, it, it's easy for me to talk about it. I put it all out there. I, you know, if anything, I overshare. <laughs> and then other people, it's a, it's very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's how do we help leaders become more emotionally literate? And to me, that's, I agree with you, Tricia. I think there should be a course on emotional literacy. And, I, you know, to me, if you want to be effective you know, you should take a course. If you want to be effective in your role, I mean, as in, you want to be on a leadership journey, that is a prerequisite. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have uh, probably nailed that (laughs) question about where do we see the greatest impact? I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to share there.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I can think about is we definitely talked about emotional literacy, but I think also having leaders, reminding leaders about curiosity and empathy. Um, you know, I, I've, I've told many of the leaders that I work with that empathy, in my opinion, is probably one of the most, if not the most important um, leadership skill, and it's a skill um, that you can have right now. Showing up with empathy and not—I um, think oftentimes leaders are afraid that that's a limitation to have empathy, and I see it as a very valuable strength. So if this is a if this is a strength for anybody, you know, to really lean into it in your leadership, mm-hmm. and feel good about it as a strength because it's needed in the world right now. And then, and then also just bringing a tremendous amount of curiosity. And, and asking a lot of questions is, is totally fine. And that you can always ask questions to your team. So those are the two things that for me are, are really, really important as it relates to people's stress and what's happening at home. And the more we can do that, and the more we can lean into that, the, the more successful we're going to be.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think we've also talked a little bit about what's at the root of it. Is there anything else there that you would want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I think I think we covered a lot there. You know, I touched on the Gen Zs and the women. Um, you know, and I think I think that one feels pretty important to me, just because I think they're the ones that have the greatest impact. And so, um, you know, if we if we unpack that a bit, uh, you know, a little bit. You know, I also think that, you know, we talked about that group, we talked about the layoffs and, you know, a lot of people being laid off, but I also think that that group as a whole um, has been has been impacted by layoffs. And so that's just going to make the fear even greater. So, you know, I think there is a tremendous amount of fear with those kind of younger, younger millennials worried about what's going to happen in terms of um, layoffs and then losing their jobs. And then when you think about women, I think for that group, we're still seeing those gender inequities. And mm-hmm. so that that to me is a big concern. They get promoted less than the men do. It's been shown that women have a harder time asking for pay raises than men do. And so we still are seeing some of those pay inequities in out there, um, you know? And, and I mentioned that women are the ones, not men, that typically have to quit their jobs to stay home with with their kids. Um, so those those are the things that are big risk areas, I think, um, for, the, for those particular groups. Those yeah. are the only other
1: things that I would mention. Yeah, I would say, gosh, the other thing that I thought we had kind of gotten beyond this, but I just saw it the other day where the different treatment for people, whether you're a woman or a man, taking time off to take care of your kids, taking them to the doctor school things, the things that, you know, you got to go to meet the teacher or whatever. And people so celebrate it when the fathers do it. Like, oh, what a great guy. Oh my gosh, he gets all these extra points for it. And if it's the woman, they're like, oh, she's just not dedicated. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is exactly the same situation, just two different genders handling the same situation and you're penalizing this woman because of it and celebrating the guy because he he's actually taking some of that responsibility i i just um it was sad was sad for me that they that this was actually still going on i thought wait i thought we'd move beyond this
2: similarly (laughs) with women taking maternity leave versus men taking paternity paternity yeah yeah a lot of the the bias um in that situation too and it's i mean it is very much alive and well those inequities i mean we have a long way to go um yeah. still seeing a lot of that and um you know i think the pressure it's why we're seeing you know the studies the way they are with with women feeling burnt out and stressed yeah. Yeah. The room because we still
0: have a long 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 way to go yeah. you know it makes me think again i I'm, my head swims sometimes on these topics because they're so they're so front of mind for me I mean I really think about them a lot and it kind of reminds me of uh Zinger Folkman's uh competency study that mm-hmm. they did for men and women and what they found in the what 18 competencies that they addressed uh women came out ahead of men in All but two categories and one was communication and the other one was like I think negotiation or something so it's still part of communication but until we get more women in the boardroom or in the C-suite somehow right and fewer men excuse the expression but fewer white males getting into the boardroom because that I think is still an issue till we get women back or women in there and we start being able to utilize our voices um, at a different level, I think we're going to continue to see this. And I hope that's not the case. We have very strong women leaders out here in the world, very strong. And it shouldn't be just the few loudest, you know, shout, shouts out there that, that get noticed. It needs to be, all women need to be recognized for getting to that level. I think it should be a norm. I don't think it should be uh, something wonderful. But to your point, you're saying that men get accolades for showing up at school when a woman meets into the, gets into the C-suite, I notice the same thing happens. In a way, it's like, "Wow, you got all the way into the C-suite. That is amazing." It's like, right? "You know what? I got it. <laughs> I'm there." Yeah. Totally <laughs> agree.
1: <laughs> Should be yeah, just as normal. I know. Just as normal. Yeah. All right. So here here's the big question, Melanie. <laughs> the million-dollar question, right? What can we do about it? Yeah. All of the problem for us.
2: <laughs> there is there is a lot we can do about it. I mean, the truth is everything starts, you know, it's like everything starts with me, with me, right? I mean, same thing applies for leaders. Everything starts with with the leader themselves. And what, what can I do every day to role model myself? I look at that with my kids. Like, rather than telling people, this is what you should do. It's like, I got to set the example. If I'm burning the candle from both ends. I can't be preaching to everybody else what they should be doing. Mm. I need a model for myself. You know, how can I have a start and stop baby steps? What's, what's one thing you can do differently? You know, sometimes it's a start and stop day. You know, I'm having my clients put a start and a stop time on their calendar. That's all they can do. Baby steps. Maybe the next thing is you're going to put a 15 minute walk on your calendar every day. Just that alone for some of my clients
1: is game changer. Yeah. And you you can say whatever you want for that calendar invite. Yeah. I I tell this story about one of my favorite leaders trying to get on her calendar, trying to, she had this recurring meeting called shore inspections (laughs) and I, and it was related to her job. Shore inspections sounded like it was, and I was like, you know, I was like, this is like the only time I, so I said, is there, can I walk with you during your shore inspections? She's like laughing. She's like, that's when I go on my run. (laughs) It's not really shore inspections. Perfect. Yeah. I know. It's like, that's so cute. Yeah. Nobody else can tell what it was. And it sounded. Yeah.
2: Nobody's going (laughs) to swoop in and put your oxygen mask on for you. Yeah. You have to do it for yourself. It's like, nobody's going to tell, nobody's going to come in and say, okay, come on. It's time to go to the gym. Let's, you know. I, I have to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so, and when I do these things, I am actually more energetic. I'm in a better mood at the end of the day. I get more stuff done yes. and I feel more inspired. I'm happier. Yeah. And by the way, I'm less grouchy at the end of the day, which my husband is very happy about. So, you know, it's little tiny things things can make a huge now I could go into a lot of other things I mean Crystal and I teach classes around this kind of stuff that you can do but it's baby steps little things make a huge huge difference the other thing is that I personally think there are leaders that could be looking at their own personal bias around mental health I think you know I have seen some of that coming in and I think you know That's part of growing as a leader, is where do I have bias? I have some, not against mental health, but I have bias in other areas that I'm always looking at. We all do. You're not human if you don't have bias. We all have it. Every single person on the planet has it. And being able to look at that and recognize where you might have some is the first step. Yeah. And if you are afraid to be going into these areas about feelings or mental health or asking questions you know, look at that and be willing to see like, why, why do I have those issues and what's at the root of that? Um, You know, and coming in, you know, again, bringing in some of that curiosity and empathy for yourself.
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, and moving that fear, you know, you you talked about fear earlier and that's, that's what, you know, people are living in, but knowing that you're not going to, and I use this a lot, you're not going to melt and you're not going to internally combust if you actually look within it just gives you more insight, right? And so it, it shouldn't hurt to look at yourself in the mirror. It shouldn't. And so that's so important.
2: Yeah, I, I like um, Brene Brown's definition of vulnerability around uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And when we can bring that vulnerability into our leadership, we're much more well-rounded. We're more respected, we're more credible, And to me, if you first are are willing to kind of peel back the onion and look at your core and then you're willing to do it with people on your team, you're just going to be more a more credible leader. Mm -hmm. And that's how you build psychological safety. And there's plenty of research out there to show you that you're, if you're not building psychological safety in your team right now, that's a problem. That's how we engage people. That's how we motivate people. That's how we, you know, that's, um, you know, innovation absence. We're not happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Innovation. Yeah. I totally agree. So we are going to move you towards something that we've got a big passion about this year. We are looking at hope questions, right? And so we'd like to ask you, and actually I've been wanting to ask you these questions for months. <laughs> so this is good. We got you on, we're getting you on tape this time. So here are your questions, right? Where do you see signs of hope in the world today?
2: Yeah. I I mean, I know I, I've told you both before that this focus on hope is just, it, I love it so much because it's something I'm really focused on personally right now is hope and joy. And, um, you know, when when I knew you were going to ask this question, the first thing that popped into my head, which it's ironic that this is the first thing that popped in my in my head, because we we touched on kind of the, these being risk areas. But I'm I actually see a lot of hope with young people, mm-hmm. and you know, I have a 28 year old son who's a millennial, and I have an 18 year old daughter, Um and and I'm inspired by both of them and the kinds of you know who they are as people and the things that they're passionate about and the way they look at the world I think the world is going to be different because of the way this age group thinks and the way they approach their problems and the way they challenge things their convictions um and they're so passionate about it I just I have so much hope for what the world is going to look like um I just see any time, you know, it's like we call it, they're growing pains for a reason, right? We're we've got pain. Yes. But we're going to, it's going to be different when we get to the other side. And so I think the world is, we're, we're going to see a shift, right? We're going to shift through some of this stuff and there's still, yes, there's a lot of challenges, but change is actually really, really good. And it's going to look different another few years from now. Um, and I have a tremendous amount of hope for all of what it's going to look like on the other side. It's a little fuzzy, but I know it's going to be beautiful on the other side. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. So how do you sustain hope in yourself?
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think for me, it's about focusing on possibilities and not challenges. And, you know, I think Crystal knows how I feel about this, that, those challenges are still gonna come, right? And it's kind of both, it's like both and. I can live with challenges and I can be happy, joyous and free at the same time. Cause I do every day. I mean, I have some real challenges in my life. And what I've learned is that I don't have to be miserable. I can choose to be happy and hopeful in the middle of a storm. And I do that by taking action. I do it by putting the oxygen mask on that we talked about. I do it by sometimes it's just changing my perspective and taking those negative thoughts and turning them into positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I do have control over that. So, you know, I've had to, you know, Crystal talked about relearning. Sometimes it's unlearning. Sometimes it's really taking bad habits and just getting rid of them and trying things, you know, shifting my perspective and really kind of trying to do it differently. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Shane Lopez, the Gallup scientist guy that studies hope. He he has a quote that's something along the lines of the belief that the future will be better than the present, coupled with the belief that you have the power to make it, make it so. Mm, that's so the future is going to be better, but we have the power to yeah. make it that way. Yeah. Like I believe that every person really does make a difference. Our actions and what we say and how we inspire others actually really does make a difference. Just like your podcast is making a difference and giving helping people to
0: see things in a different way. You know, that's also very Marcus Buckingham. Mm-hmm. He loves that too. You know, unlearn and learn new ways of yeah. looking at things, right? So Melanie, how do you engage or inspire others to be hopeful?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, kind of echoes what I just said Mm -hmm. is I do it. I feel like I do it in my coaching. I think I do it in my workshops that I get to teach with crystal and, you know, I speak on resilience a lot. Um, And I seem to, I find myself teaching a lot of change and transition workshops so it's not just the physical change but the human side of change Mm -hmm. and that to me is about hope and so to me um there is hope in the way that we influence others and the way we spread it right and so to me just in the way that I coach people is spreading hope the way I parent my kids, because believe me, they can be really negative sometimes or teenagers <laughs> Um And so that to me is just the more people I can touch and the more people I can talk to and the more hopeful I can behave day to day. And I have to remember that when I get in my own negativity
0: spiral. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, love
1: Thank that. you. Last question. Looking forward, what are you really excited about?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think you guys already know I just entered a new phase in my career and my life, and I'm the most comfortable that I've ever been in my life. It's it's such a cool place to be. I've never been more clear and more secure than I am right now in this moment. It's you know, and I'm not worried at all for the future. I have no fear. It's the weirdest thing. When I first launched the company, it was right before COVID. And I was I felt nothing but fear. I had financial fear. I had, you know, what ifs? What if I don't have enough business? And what if right now I have nothing but hope and joy. And and so and a but it's like bunt. I'm thinking abundance. And so things are kind of just happening naturally. Like business is happening naturally. Clients are coming in naturally. And I truly believe that to be true, that if you just complete, and I've told clients this, what would this situation look like if you took fear completely out of the, off the table? Like, if it just like you had no fear, how would you feel about this situation if just fear was gone? And it's true that if you just take fear away and there's no fear at all, everything feels completely different now. It's like wow, that was such a heavy phase that I was in because I was so bogged down, worried about stuff that never even happened. The stuff that I was worried about never happened. So what a waste of time and energy. So I don't know. I that was a long-winded answer to your question, but I have nothing but excitement for the future because there's no, there's zero fear. Okay. I don't
1: know how I did
2: it, by the way. It just happened took me a lot of years to get here, so I have no words of wisdom for you.
0: <laughs> no, but, you know, I think there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who are going to take that as inspiration,
1: no. you know, because
0: we all try to get to a point that's like that, you know, where we can look at the world and everything is a possibility. Everything is exciting. Everything is new and different, and I love that you are there. I, I do see a new Melanie, you know, from the last time I saw you, I think, you know, we're talking about stress levels, I think you were at a a pretty high stress level, right? Mm -hmm. But look at you now. I mean, to me, it's like there's this whole new radiance. And I'm so excited Mm -hmm. for the future of your business and for you. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen with it. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it's freedom.
0: What this is reminding
1: me of is a a Netflix special that had Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama and it's called The Light We Carry. And she just uh, wrote a book. Maybe it's been a year ago. She wrote it during the pandemic, actually. Michelle Obama wrote the book during the pandemic. And then she was doing a a, a book tour. And this was the, they did the Netflix series off of the last one. And she was talking about loving being in her 50s. That this was as much as she, you know, has loved all the chapters of her life, being in her 50s and Oprah actually was agreeing with her. It's like when you get to this point in your life, 50 and beyond, you're the most secure in who you are. You you have a lot of wisdom to yeah. share. It's true. And And confidence. And you care less about what other people think. And so I can't help but think, you know, we talk about these chapters in Hudson, we talk about chapters in life, that as we enter our 50s and beyond, for women, it is an interesting time in life, because we, we do have a lot of wisdom to share, we have a lot of confidence, and we do care less about what people think about us, which means that we don't have that same level of fear that you were just talking about, Melanie, like, we're not so dependent on everybody else's opinion of us in order for us to feel good. It's like, we can just feel good. Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. You know, there's a um, there's an old belief and it's a Celtic belief that there are three phases of a woman's life and one is to be the maiden the child and the young maiden, next is to be the mother, and last is to be the crone. And I remember thinking the word crone was so negative all my life until I got to be one. (laughs) And now I love it because that's exactly what it means. The crone is the person who has come into their own. They've gotten centered in their world. They have the wisdom of growing through a lot of things that built their resilience and makes them the person who is the advisor in a lot of things. So it's that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So a little synergy so so going on in, going on in your life there, maybe. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for, for joining us today, Melanie. I Loved this conversation. Um we got to talk about the sort of real issues that are going on, but also the hope um and and the action that people can actually take to to really lead in a little bit different way, which is showing up in a way that is gonna help people create that psychological safety for their teams um, and their organizations and increase mental mental wellness. Lots
0: of hope, yeah. Lots of hope. Thank you so much for being with us. This was just such a pleasure. You're delightful as always. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was fun.
1: Did you enjoy it? That was amazing. I really loved that conversation with Melanie, and I have worked with her quite a bit, know her quite well, and it was fun to see her in this light as being our guest mm-hmm. on the the podcast, and I learned so much from her.
0: I have had only the pleasure of being with her for a couple of retreats that we've been to, in, in and in a training class that we did a long time ago, but it is... Um, it's always such a pleasure to have her here because she's so down to earth. She's, she's so grounded in so many different ways and it's nice to have that conversation with somebody who has done that self-work, a lot of that yeah. self-work. Yeah, yep. That lived experience, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So let's keep that conversation going, shall we? If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more with fantastic guests, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, and take a screenshot and share it in your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us at our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Crystal, thank you so much. It was so much fun co-hosting with you today. Thank you, Tricia. Thanks to our audience for listening as well. Please keep listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week. Bye.